This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Saad Chowdhury, a minimally invasive spine surgeon at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Dr. Chowdhury, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hi, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about in terms of some of the big trends in healthcare and then innovations in spine, but before we do that, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, Laura, so I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon, um, fellowship trained, board certified. Um, I work at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. Um, my passion really is minimally invasive spine surgery and I try to incorporate those techniques whenever appropriate in caring for my patients. Uh, I, however, do think that there's a role for the various open and minimally invasive and endoscopic procedures when it comes to spine care. So I really focus on the specific patient and tailor their care uh, based on you know their pathology, their issues, to try to get them back on their feet the quickest and uh, the easiest way possible for them. So I take pride in doing you know both open and minimally invasive uh, surgery and using those techniques when appropriate. Well, fantastic! It's great to hear that you're able to incorporate both in your practice and really serve your patients well. Now, I'm wondering, could you tell us about the top three trends that you're following in healthcare today? So I think this past year and a half or so, needless to say, the pandemic has really accelerated a lot of advances in healthcare. Uh, The way I look at healthcare now is uh, sort of an intersection between technologies and healthcare delivery. Um, And I think in this past year, as I mentioned, COVID has really made us all really go back to the drawing board and incorporate technology much faster uh, than we normally do in healthcare as we're usually a conservative group. But uh, the top three trends for me in healthcare are telehealth um, and various subspecialties are incorporating that in providing good care for their patients, especially the underserved areas and populations. Um, I also think um, there's a significant role for artificial intelligence in the future. And uh, lastly, again, technology-based things such as digital biomarkers, people are using wearable devices and sort of remote EKG devices to really keep an eye on patients, uh, not necessarily when they're admitted to a hospital or in a clinic, but uh, observing their healthcare um, patterns as well as their lifestyles uh, remotely so that we can make appropriate interventions. And hopefully, you know, that'll allow us to uh, be preventative in healthcare versus waiting for the disease process and then treating it after the fact. Got it. That's really interesting to think about. And so, you know, a lot of these uh, trends that you're looking at are um, have to do with the digital technology side of things and really how that's changing healthcare delivery. And wondering, and specifically, uh, artificial intelligence, does that have much um, applications in spine or how do you see that really making a difference for spine surgeons especially? Sure, it's a great question. And, you know, uh, being a spine surgeon, we look more into evolving our care and uh, making sure that we're providing not just the best care, but durable and suitable care that can be catered towards each individual patient's needs. So, artificial intelligence, I think, you know, it's in its infancy uh, in healthcare at least, but we're seeing some good trends where we might be able to use these AI technologies to predict certain outcomes. Um, you know, um, in terms of, for example, deformity surgery, uh, these are large surgeries that we perform for uh, certain patients who are in, in, in dire straits, really. They're in miserable 
um, uh, pain or feel debilitated with their day-to-day living. And we don't want to undertake these larger surgeries without really being granular in guiding our patients about what to expect and how to achieve those corrections intraoperatively. So when we place all these parameters about patients, their disease status, their bone quality, um, their specific spine needs into an algorithm, uh, which uses AI technology, we hope that uh, we can better predict and better effectuate a good and uh, effective treatment option for them. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, what do you see as some of the most exciting innovations and technologies in spine specifically? So um, again, I feel like I'm talking a lot about technologies, but I think being a minimally invasive surgeon, um, we've seen sort of a renaissance in spine and minimally invasive surgery over this past decade. And I think the single most important factor in being able to provide our patients with these successful less invasive treatments has been incorporating various technologies into spine care. So, um, you know, it started with certain basic things such as, you know, microscope and fluoroscope, things like that. But now uh, we have robotic technology and navigation tools. Um, It's fairly commonplace to use navigation to facilitate uh, a a placement of hardware and appropriately doing uh, dissection for our patients with minimizing collateral tissue damage. So I do think that uh, navigation and to some extent robotics is gonna help refine our less invasive uh, therapies for our patient population. Absolutely, I think that makes a lot of sense. And when you see the technology that's available today in robotics and navigation, and then look ahead to what's possible in the future, you know, where on the spectrum, I guess, of development do you see spine robots in particular, um, and, and then looking at uptick in, in, in um, adoption by other surgeons, do you see it becoming more common in the next three to five years? Yeah, I would certainly look at more of the five-year horizon, and I think um, incorporating these technologies, uh, while important, I think they have to be uh, done in a smooth fashion where we're not all jumping on the bandwagon of the latest and the greatest technologies. A lot does have to be sorted out with regards to robotics. Uh, I think there is great promise in that technology. However, accuracy and fidelity of these um, new systems still is being looked at and critically evaluated. Um, I think the key is to you know, have a good surgeon who's very competent, who's very aware of the anatomy and some basics and where the robotic technology or the navigation technologies can lead them astray. And an example I use is that, you know, most of us, while we're flying and we're frequent flyers, um, I think it, you don't want there to be nobody manning the airplane. I think uh, there are certain things that uh, the, the human touch and the human accuracy Um, while we question it in certain cases, but having them oversee these robotic technologies and do so judiciously is critical. Similarly to an airplane, I think in the operating room, um, even when incorporating these automations and automated technologies, um, the surgeon has to be very aware of where the pitfalls are because there are mistakes that can be made if you completely rely on robots. um, And, you know, in spine, the robot's aren't a replacement per se for the surgeon. They're enhancing and enabling tools that allow you to you know, work through smaller portals and give you some guidance uh, without needing to make larger incisions or do bigger dissections. So 
it's not a replacement as much as an enhancement. And I think as more surgeons get more comfortable with using these technologies, you'll see a wider spread use of them. The other part of this is obviously, you know, the economics of acquiring some of these robotic systems. Uh, it's a fair strain on some of the smaller healthcare systems. So I think uh, we'll see um, a more commonplace adoption of these technologies as they get more refined and become more affordable to be available across the country and not just at the bigger centers. That makes a lot of sense. The one other question I had around this is I know you work with fellows and others who are training um, in spine surgery. Uh, is there any particular interest that you're seeing from them or are they um, excited about robotics versus some of those who have been in practice for a while or um, is it really, really still a mix? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, I do train fellows and residents, and um, we have to be mindful in training our, our residents and fellows with both open as well as minimally invasive and um, navigation and digital tools. I think, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, the, the key is to be uh, well-versed in all of the above, and in order to become a good minimally invasive surgeon or good robotic navigation-assisted surgeon, you really need to be able to do these surgeries without these technologies and be able to understand the native spine anatomy, be able to do these things in case you don't have these systems available. So it's not, you know, there can be a malfunction or there can be some issues where you feel that the reliability of some of these navigation or robotic systems is a little bit off. And it's not significantly off, but, you know, in, in the line of what we do, uh, one or two millimeters can make a big difference. So we're very cautious and careful for even slightest variation of what we see. So I think uh, when training our residents and fellows, we really stress that the initial part of their training, uh, they understand and really learn the native anatomy and slowly we progress them into utilizing these enabling technologies because um, as I mentioned earlier, um, not every hospital system where some of our trainees will end up practicing at have these technologies available, and it would be a disservice to completely make um, our future generations reliant on technologies, and they wouldn't be able to operate without having some of these uh, assistive devices. That's a really great point. Thank you, Dr. Chowdhury, for going through that. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering, how do you see your practice changing in the next three years or so? So some of the major trends that I see, um, again, other than the robotic navigation piece that we've been talking about, I do think we will see more telehealth uh, with regards to initial evaluation and care. Um, I myself and some of my partners, and I'm sure various other spine surgeons, are utilizing telehealth for remote consults for patients who are you know, not in our local area who want to be evaluated or seen. Um, so uh, I think that's going to be here to stay. And I think that's beneficial for, for various patients, especially people who are in areas that are not, um, that don't have access to high level uh, tertiary centers. So I, th I think that's going to be a component to stay. Another trend that I'm seeing is a general shift to outpatient-based surgery. And again, the pandemic helped us sort of sort some of this out because uh, of the issues with hospitalization and utilizing in inpatient facilities. Uh, I think a lot of us were uh, doing some of these procedures in a safe yet uh, outpatient basis. So I think there is going to be a shift of that. And then again, I think the endoscopic MIS world will continue to evolve and utilize AI and the new uh, technologies so that we can do these surgeries 
with uh, less invasive means with better outcomes for our patients in the future and better prediction for who's going to end up doing really well and be granular with our discussions for our patients. Well, Dr. Chowdhury, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Laura. It was my pleasure to be here.